Um, we're back in our series. We just began a new series, not new information necessarily, um, but great reminders and to take us a little deeper in our core values. Say core values. Yeah, last week we talked about Christocentrism. Christocentrism, the centrality of mighty Jesus to the Christian. Um, and this week we're going to talk about community. Say community. community. Yeah, yeah, you got you to emphasize that. Say community. community. Yeah, we like that. So this is, this is another one of our core values. Christ, Jesus Christ is central to the Christian's life. However, central to the centrality of Jesus Christ as a practice and central to Christocentrism is community of massive importance. There is no practical Christocentrism without a people to place him center. Are y'all with me? That, that, that's, that's of great importance. If you don't have a people placing him center, then he won't seem central, then he won't be practically glorified, and then there's wrath to be born. And so because of that reality, he's drafted a new crew of people called the church in this group called community. When we say community, we're not talking about the neighborhood, the neighborhood of the church or the neighborhood that we hang out in. That's, that's not the same thing, doing stuff for the community. Um, it, it's a little different for us as Christians because we are what's called a community of communities. So the, 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 the community of the church are those seen and unseen to redeem, those who have fallen asleep and those who are still on planet Earth, those who have fallen asleep and who are hanging out with Jesus right now, can't imagine what it's like right now in heaven. Like, you ever thought about that, like, what it's like to just be hanging out in heaven and waiting, like, not even thinking, like, people think, man, I'm pouring out liquor for dudes, you know, it's for you, homie. It's for you and all of that kind of stuff. And um, if anybody's really gone to heaven, they're really not talking and thinking about you. They, they're looking at Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be concerned about y'all either. If I was looking at Jesus, I'd be concerned about the one who died for me and bound before him and being blown away by him. So th th there's the church invisible, then there's the church visible. Um, that, that, and, 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 uh, but then even the church visible is what we would call the earthly or visible universal church. And the earthly or visible universal church is made up of all the elect and redeemed of God globally. So from, so from, po uh, so from the North Pole to, uh, to Antarctica, in every direction, going south. Listen, er uh, the, the, that is the community of the redeemed. However, within the community of the redeemed, large, big church, big C, we have churches, little c. Now when you look at the New Testament, most uses of ecclesia or church um, is really used of the local church, not universal church. There are a few times where you see the idea of the universal church mentioned um, in the New Testament, but most are specifically talking about locality. Now, we all in the world can't do life together. That's impossible. It's impossible for all of us to share all of our spiritual gifts together. It's impossible for all of us to find one place where millions of people who call the name of Jesus to meet and gather and to chop it up. So God has called us to join him on mission and scatter globally and to go into the world and be the church in a different context. And so we, Epiphany Fellowship, are small C as a part of big C community slash church. 
And so in that reality, this is a very important thing. Christocentrism and community is not a core value of Epiphany Fellowship only. In, in other words, it shouldn't just be. It, it shouldn't be. The, 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 the church, new church plants that are sparking up all over the world right now are rediscovering the book of Acts. And one of the big parts of the book of Acts that we are rediscovering is the need for practical and biblical community together. But people have issues with community. And so one of the things that we do is we have a lot of issues with it because we have a lot of misconceptions about, misconceptions about it. And so these are some of the key misinterpretations or misconceptions about community. Number one, people gonna know everything about, people must know everything about you. This, now, when we talk about this idea of people knowing everything about you, there is a sense where there's gonna be vulnerability in you being in community. And we'll talk about that. We'll chop it up, flesh it out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But some of us are hiders. We're professional secret agent Christians. We, we are agent, agent 21007 and all of that kind of stuff. And Christianity was never meant to be secretive. Never. And so, and so some people say, well, I don't want nobody to know about me, so I'm falling back from all that because you know how church folk are. And so, I, and so we can't continue to use little c or big c um, in a slang way. Churchy, that's not the way God meant things to be. So it's done when we have a potluck. You know, when I first got decided, I trusted Jesus. I didn't really grow up in a Christian environment. So when I first trusted Christ, we used to do potlucks. And we called it a fellowship. We play spades, you know. Now, some of the old school Christians, you know, you pulled out some cards. They, they, they liable to pull out some holy oil. You know what I'm saying? And, and get after you. Talking about the devil is a liar. You know, because they didn't believe that cards in the 60s, they taught cards are from the devil. You know, but, but we have potlucks and we play Monopoly, which I don't like. Um, now y'all play Phase 10. We used to play Spades. You know what I'm saying? You know? And Uno. Y'all don't know nothing about no Simon Says, though. Y'all don't know about that. Yeah, Battleship. Y'all don't know about all that. Y'all don't know about that there. Sorry. Hungry, hungry hippo. I'm taking you back. Y'all don't know about that. <laughs> so we get around and we do all types of activities together. Um, come back. Come back. I know you're ready to play a game right now. Um, but, 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 you know, we, and, and what we would do, what was interesting is we built dope relationships with one another. But one of the things that we bring food, people would bring some you know, rotel dip and all this stuff and killing it, you know, enjoying it, wings, and we hanging out. But one of the things that we would never get to is one another's lives. So as much fun as we had, as enjoyable as that was, that was an incomplete form of community. Now, I'm not saying community isn't, you're not doing community when you're building and playing games. I'm not saying that. But it's incomplete if it begins and ends with that. And so, and so it shouldn't just be a potluck. Now, let me, let me talk about this other one. Um, letting your hair down. Now, did, now, some people think letting your hair down is a good thing. But, but, but for the most part, that's a little demonic. Amen. Letting your hair down means I'm going to throw off all of my Christianity and I need a safe place to act a fool. Yeah, and so some people, when they mean letting their hair down, they mean we don't want the certain people around so that we can do what we're really like. That's not biblical community. Letting your hair down. Oh, we can wild out now with the young Christmas gone. It's like, why would you even think like that, right? And so, and so again, um, um, basically lose your mind. 
Oh, another misconception about community is that we control people's lives. We're supposed to be in control of your life, and if you don't do everything that we say, how we said it, when we said it, and where we said it, said to do it, um, it's wrong. And some of us as pastors have done a bad job. We we so controlling and insecure. Sometimes, um, you know, covering sometimes is a covering for our immaturity, and we have to have everything done under our guise. And some of that has been control. However, there is a healthy understanding of authority, but then there's also healthy understanding of you um, doing life with others, which we'll talk about in a second. So, but we're not, community is not to control people's lives. It's to help them to move along in their spiritual life. Next, next is um, minor decisions must be ran through others. Now, we got the other extreme where some people are so, like, antsy and legalistic that they want to ask every little question about every little thing to see if God is okay for them to do it. And so you need to read Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So, 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 so in other words, everything doesn't have to be ran through community. Now, this is going to sound out, as we go through community, it's going to sound a little cultic. But when you read your Bible, it really ain't. It's normal. Okay? Now, I, the next, I don't need it. Now, I was one of them dudes. You know, I, I didn't need it. You know, I was like one of them dudes. I wanted to be the exception to the rule. The one that was weighty in the scripture, spent time in prayer, and got before people and talked to them about it, but really didn't want anybody in my life. So I said, I don't really need community because the way God kind of deal with your boy, you know, I, he kind of, you know, the way I go. And the old heads was like, I hear you, young buck. So them cats, you know, I had a cat, even though I didn't like it, you know, had me up like this. You know, and they got me in the room and started chopping it up with me. Lighten me up, um, not physically, because that would have been not a good thing to do to me at that time. Um, it would have been bad because I was grimy. But, um, I, I, but, but, but most people don't think they need other Christians. Most of us do. Most of us really think that way. Um, the biggest lie in the church is that all you need is Jesus. Now, that's, now, what, now, from, now, now some of y'all looking at me going to say, well, that's heresy. Now, Jesus as we'll see in a minute, doesn't say all you need is me in the sense of life because he's in heaven interceding for you. He set under him and in him a means of grace called community that he set up as a way that you need him by needing others. Some of y'all gonna get that in a minute. And so, and so most of us think we don't need others and so we fall back from it and we do life on our own. But then... Um, we, we, we think it's an option for most believers. It's just another program. I pick one program of the church to be a part of, which when you're really doing community, you don't really need a program to orchestrate you doing life with others. It's a natural outgrowth of the new birth. <laughs> it, it's a natural outgrowth of the new birth. And so I, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 6. Hold your finger there. That's going to be our main expositional passage today. And then, I'll, then I want you to hold your finger there, and I'm going to remind us of some things over in John 17. John 17. Now, family, when you read John 17, John 17 is called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. And I'm going to just note something as a beginning of this. Many of you already know this. Uh, Chip kind of did it during a pastoral reflection that I let him do. But, but, but I want to remind us of the foundation of community. Um, 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 and what's beautiful about this reality is community, God holds, listen, God holds himself accountable to this. 
God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Look, look at John 17. We'll start at the 20th verse. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's talking about his disciples. At first, he prayed for them already. Now he's praying for those post the cross who will trust him after his ascension. He says that they, that's us, may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Wow, powerful. Now, we won't get on the missional aspect of community until we get uh, to, the, um, to, to our last core value, which is, um, which is uh, dang, my mind went back. Culture development ministry. I just blanked out. And so, and so we'll get to that once we talk. We'll talk about missional community when we get there. But here in this passage, Jesus is, is, has a wish list. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Jesus, but he's the only one that always gets his prayers answered. All the time. Like, so whatever he prays comes to pass. So Jesus, one of his last requests of the Father before he went to the cross. See, after he rose from the grave, he didn't have to pray no more. He was gone back to heaven. He's gone to his father. They're chilling. He didn't have to pray anymore. But it, it was necessary in his humanity during his time on earth that he prayed. And one of the requests that he made of the father was that we would be one. That's the biggest pink elephant in the church is the oneness of the people of God. Oneness of the people of God meaning a unified way of thinking and a unified way of doing things. And so the church is called to oneness. So Jesus' prayer is that there would be a oneness. Now, he, he explains that oneness by explaining the oneness that he has with the Father. He, so he says, Father, you and I have been kicking it for eternity. We are self-sufficient in all of our attributes. However, we are connected eternally to one another, and we need one another, and so we do eternal life together. Therefore, the way we have been doing eternal life together is how our people need to do both temporal and eternal life together. So the way we know each other, I, I, I want them to have that community together, but then not only have that relationship with one another, but we want to invite them into the enjoyment of ourselves that we've been enjoying for eternity. That's bananas. In, in other words, God for the first time says, hang with me. He didn't use a cloud. He didn't use fire. He didn't use a mountain. He used himself. In, 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 in all of who he is, and he uses his people. Because to be called in community with God is to be called into community with those who are around his throne regularly. And so as we talk about this idea of community, it's very important for us to understand that this is not just something that Epiphany Fellowship came up with to be a cool new concept to try out in the 21st century. No, nah, this is an ancient idea. It's ancient. Because the ancient of days was doing it before there was any mass or molecules or, 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 or amoebas or zygotes or, 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 or black holes or stars or suns. or moon. Before there was anything, God was doing life with himself. That's, that's bombastic. That's, that's crazy. God was hanging with himself for eternity chilling, and then saying, now I want the people that I create to reflect that reality. Crazy. So, we come over here to 2 Corinthians. Come over here to 2 Corinthians 6. And this passage is usually used to talk about dating. 
And maybe the first verse is talked about, and then the, all the rest of it is out. But this, ha- I mean, just to tell you this, this has nothing to do with dating. It can apply to it, but, 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 but as it relates to dating, it's, it's, it's really not the thrust and the emphasis of the passage. Let me give you a bit of background before we read this. Well, let me read it first. Let's go from verse 14 to verse 18, then I'm going to give some background. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with unrighteousness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with uh, Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you I, and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord, of, says the Lord Almighty. Let's read on a couple more verses. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Look at, look at 2A. Make room for us in your hearts. Dope. Most scholars believe that this was a, a latter insert by Paul or somebody that was a Paul fanatic. All right? But, but, but here it's interesting that Paul is begging the Corinthians for community. It's, it's, it's interesting in this section that he, he's, he's exhorting them about community. Now, if you know anything about the book of Corinthians or the Corinthian church, they, they didn't like Christianity that much. They thought that Christianity was cool for salvation, but wasn't cool for life. So in chapter 1 of Corinthians, you see that they had icons, they had spitters. See, back in the day, they had spitters ain't nothing new. Dudes uh, are rhyming and spitting, that was, that was, that was ancient. In, in, in Corinth and in Greco-Roman and Hellenistic culture, dudes would be in the, on the block spitting and having battles on the street about their wisdom against their wisdom. So street battles ain't nothing new. They love the arts of their culture. They love the, they love the, 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 the visual art. They love the, 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 um, the musical art, the technical art. They loved, they loved all of those parts of their culture were without Jesus. They loved doing life with people that didn't like Jesus. They liked the icons of their context greater than they liked the icons of the kingdom. And, and, so, and so what happened was, it's just like today, you know, cats, the greatest icon for many cats today is, is B-Say and Jay-Z. And so you look at them, Beyonce. And so you look at them, I know some of y'all are like, huh? Um, Beyonce. And so many of us, womanhood, the maximization of womanhood, she made 80 mil last year, See, like, see, that's womanhood, you know, and then she danced in a video with the other two women. I love how, or, yeah, the other person, and um, some of y'all, don't, just don't even worry about it, y'all. If you know, just bow your head. If you don't, just chalk it, to, chalk it up to the kingdom. And so, and, so, and, so, and, so, and so, we see those icons. We see Jay, and we see him a multi-million. And if he grow his hair, we grow our hair thicker. If he cuts it down and gets a shape, we do it. If, if he wears a shirt, because they're icons, Icons to us, and what happens is, is that when you, the, 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 the Corinthian believers liked cultural icons that weren't redemptive, that, that, that could not 
help them with their lives, but they were awestruck by them. And Paul says, none of y'all was really, really cool when y'all was non-Christians. He said that in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. He said, stop acting like, like you bringing something to the faith. You ain't bringing nothing to the faith. You know what I'm saying? And so now he's getting up in them because their affections are skewed. And so if you look at verse 13 of this passage, either verse 12 or 13, he talks about the nature of their affections. Now, this is very important for us building a foundation, and I'm going to show you one point. I got one point that I'm going to preach today, and it's going to be a shutdown. Now, what, what we see today is we see their affections being skewed. In other words, Paul is asking them, I want your passions to be under the cross. The issue with a believer who's able to see things from God's perspective is they must begin to like the things that God likes. That means that your taste buds change. When your taste buds change, that means that you are growing in the faith. If your taste buds remain, now some of y'all say, well, you know, I, I, I got to admit, when I, I do still wig out sometimes, and it feels good still. Okay, let me tell you the difference between you and the next man. See, for you, if you wig out and the Holy Spirit don't convict you, that's a bad thing. If you wig out and you don't feel nothing since nothing, then you may need to be walked from spiritual death to spiritual life. But for the believer, our affections are always at odds. And so Paul is jamming the Corinthian church up because their affections are skewed. And then he's begging them in verse 2 of chapter 7. He says, make room for us. Make room for us in your hearts. In other words, we want to do life with you. We want to chop it up with you, right? And, and, and so what he does sandwiched in between them is he gives some key characteristics of Christian community. Y'all still with me? And so he's giving key characteristics of Christian community, which brings me to my first point and only point. Christian community is marked by distinction. Say distinction. Say distinction. One more time, distinction. That's, that's very, very, very important. Paul begins in this passage by using an interesting word to talk about, it's, it's one word that he uses to describe, or two, it's really a phrase that he utilizes to describe the distinction of Christian community. And what does he do? He calls, he calls it, he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's what he says in verse 14, isn't it? And, and, and what, he, what he means there is he's not talking about, most people go to this and just say, well, you're not supposed to date an unbeliever. This is way bigger than that. This, let me just tell you that right now, this passage is way more gargantuan than dating, okay? What he's saying is, is if you understand the agricultural analogy that he's using by using the word, when he says unequally yoked with unbelievers, he said it's just, it's, it, the, the word literally means to be mix-matched. Mix-matched. Yeah, and it, it would be like seeing an ox plowing with a donkey. Now, I don't know if you know anything about donkeys, but they're pretty stubborn. So if they're next to an ox, they're not going to try to plow. They're not going to try to do any work because they're not yoked properly. They're of different phenotypes. The, the idea of, 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 of being unequally yoked means two different types of plowers. Okay, And so here in this passage, he's saying to believers, he said, I don't want you to be mix-matched with unbelievers. Now, I'm not, he's not talking about missionally engaging them. But he's saying there are certain things that you can't learn from unbelievers. There are certain things that believe, unbelievers can't pour into your life. They can't give you spiritual counsel, number one. 
Well, what are they going to tell you about the kingdom? Well, what, what is it now, now? I mean, nothing. But many of us, even, even adult adults and young adults, still do life. With, now, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about engaging and loving. Or I'm talking about doing life with. I don't care if they were your best friend from the past. And y'all been through the most difficult things that you've ever been through. They've seen you at your worst and seen you at your best. If they are not a Christian, that is an uneven relationship spiritually. And, 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 but, but many people are more driven by their, their affections than divine affections. They can't, what, what, they can't tell you anything about manhood. Now, they get, uh, unbeliever can teach you how to fix a car, how to buy a house, but not about biblical manhood. Pouring into your life the recesses of what it means to be a man or to be a woman by that fact. So there are a multitude of things that they can't tell you anything about sexuality. See, the biggest lie is that the world has a better understanding of sexuality than the church. And that, 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 is, that, that is a biblical, that is a, that is a hellish lie. Because they didn't create sexuality, God did. And the one who has the key to it knows how it must be properly used. And so, so, so there's nothing on that. And so he's talking about you, you must not be unevenly yoked or mismatched with unbelievers. And so that means that believers must learn the secret of doing life with other believers. That means some of you, your biggest hump to get over is you got to learn to like the church again. Some of y'all don't like the church at all. Because you, you've been hurt by it or you think that somebody's going to do something to you. Or you say, I'm okay with Jesus, but I'm not okay with his people. And I'm telling you, as a Christian, that is a spiritual impossibility. It's impossible to like God and not like his people. I don't care what you've been through. It, God characterized, he's called the body of Christ. So if you don't like the body of Christ, guess who you don't like also? I know that's simple, but, but no, there is no excuse. And if you say, well, I can't find one, well, find a solid, healthy group of uh, believers to do life with. That's a very, very important thing. No matter what age bracket you're in, you're not exempt from this. If you're a pastor or a minister, you're not exempt from community because God doesn't exempt himself from it. And so we must fight to be in it, and we're not perfect in this. We're learning all of what it means to endure with one another, to love with one another, to engage with one another. But the importance of our life in Christ is, is that we're not unevenly or unequally yoked. Now it's interesting that he uses a group of rhetorical questions to kind of describe, like, he said this should be automatic. But he's going to talk about the distinctiveness of the believers and what makes Christianity, Christian community, different than general community. Okay, so what he does is he goes in the next verse and he says, in the last, next part of, uh, of verse 14, he says, For what partnership has righteousness with unrighteousness? Interesting. Now, partnership is not the word here for koinonia. It is a different word which, mean, which has the same idea of community, which the word koinonia means, which he'll talk about in a second. But Paul's emphasis uh, here is to talk about something powerful in general. He talks about, he, he says, what partnership? He's asking a rhetorical question. What partnership? This word for partnership means unified goals. Unified goals. 
It is normal for a church to have a unified goals. I don't care what you have a vision to do individually in your individual Christian life. There must be some synchronization between the Christians in these local bodies, in these local communities, the micro of the macro, that they must be synced together on the same biblical page going in the same biblical direction. Sync up goals. And he specifically says two key, uh, one key area that our goals must be synchronized together is in righteousness. Now, here he's not talking about our normal understanding of righteousness, which is used in Romans chapter 12 of Christ causing us to be righteous through his death. Now, it includes that, but it's more of an application of that, whereby first Jesus imputes us with his righteousness by the power of the Spirit as salvation. So we are what's called positionally righteous. But that's not what he's emphasizing here. He assumes that. Listen to me. But what he's doing is he's saying now that you are positionally righteous, I want you practically righteous. Now, what does it look like to be practically righteous and synced up in a goal-oriented way, unified with the biblical community of the people of God? Stay with me. It, it, it means, family of God, it means to have the same level of moral excellence. Say moral excellence. It, it means commitment to standards. It's used in 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 4, as one of the first ways in which God catapults us as believers in our understanding of spiritual growth. So, morality. We're not talking about unredeemed morality of do's and don'ts. We're talking about biblical morality and ethics that we hold in common and that we hold one another accountable to. Now, one of the things I can't deal with is a person that doesn't like anybody to tell them anything. I, I'm just telling you right now, I struggle with that. I don't, I don't like what people can't admit when they're wrong. I, I, I mean, I don't know what, it, I don't know what, I don't, I, I don't, maybe it's something wrong. I've always thought something's wrong with me. But when somebody has, if you can't admit, like me and my wife, we always talk about that. Like, if, 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 we're, if we're having a conflict, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, it, and she doesn't admit that she was wrong about something, she'll get, I'll get mad at her. Same with me. She'll get mad at me. I just, and one of the things that we want each other to do is just acknowledge it. See, see, when you are walking in practical righteousness, you allow other believers to hold you accountable to a unified ethic that is Christ-centered. So, that, so, that, so that, means, that means if you, for instance, start dating some old raggedy joker or jokeette, and you're behind that got all emotionally attached, oh, I you. And then somebody comes in the middle, you know, and you walk in with them. I'm going to use you as an example today, baby. And you walk in, you walk in, there ain't nobody seen y'all ever. And y'all walk, walk into the church, ain't married, rubbing all on each other, coming all into the gathering of the saints, doing the worship, y'all like this, praying. And, you, know, you know what I'm saying? And then somebody comes to you and say, yo, yo first off, um, how you doing this morning? Um, sec second off, um, who is that? It's, it's, my, it's my girl right here, man. It's my... Tell him your name, baby. Tell him, tell him your name. Man. Tamusha, that's my name. She's somebody I've been walking with. She was an unbeliever, you know, just trusted Christ. And we walking with one another. 
And somebody should be able to call you to the carpet. Now, I know you don't like it, but that's what community does. If there are noticeable issues in your relationship with your spouse, and someone says, I'm just asking, is everything okay? Why why you got to ask that? You're like, hold on, hold up. I'm just, whoa, I'm just trying to. Or somebody said, I haven't seen you for a while. Is everything okay? Just because I ain't with y'all don't mean I ain't walking with Jesus. I mean, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what just happened just now? What, what just happened? You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm just saying, that's called community care. That's called community care. So when we hold each other to things, we hold ourselves to attending things. If we don't see you and you haven't said anything, then we're trying to see what's going on. Not so we can be nosy but so that we can love you. What's the goal of your relationship with this young lady? Well, why, I mean, why we got to have a goal? Why we can't just get to know each other? No, nah, I'm saying we at this church have goals. I'll never see you give to the Lord. Do you even give? See, my money, why are you all in my pocket? You don't pay, see, that's what I'm saying. See, if you just around, if everything is just around, it's hard to do life with the person that doesn't like people to help them. If you are going to be in biblical community, you are going to get your feelings hurt. And guess what? We're going to make mistakes when we try to hold you accountable. But, but the issue is the mistake that we make shouldn't merely repel you from being in relationship with one another. Because we're going to make mis- we're foul, so we're going to make mistakes, but that's why we have a cross. So that we can apply that to each other when we make a mistake and when we act up a fool. And then we restore one another, love on one another, and engage one another, and not count that sin again against that person. Okay? And so, and so more, more, but then, but then it goes from there. He says, what, he said, what partnership, what goal setting does righteousness have with unrighteousness? Unrighteousness means those who are the community of the licentious. Licentiousness is one of the deeds of the flesh in Galatians um, chapter, uh, chapter 5. Um, one of these of the fest is called sensuality or licentiousness, which means to cast off all moral and moral and lawful restraints. It's called in theology antinomianism, which it means it's without law. And so we're not hanging out and doing life with people that doesn't know God's standards. In other words, you can't do life with a person. I got to move. That is not submitted to God's standards. I got to move to the next one. But then he says, oh, what fellowship light and darkness? Say light and darkness. Now, usually Paul uses the idea of light and darkness to talk about two ideas, really. He uses it, uses it like in Colossians 1.13. He uses it to say, um, we have been drafted on God's team from, his, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his marvelous son. All right? Now, he's not using it in relation to the kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness here, even though it's under the umbrella of both of them. He's using light and darkness more so the way John uses it in 1 John chapter 1. Now, when you look at 1 John chapter 1, it talks about the fact that the apostles are in the community with the Father through the Son, and then because of our community with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, now we're in community with one another. Therefore, we walk in the light. Literally, it means to have an exposed life. Some of us, our lives are hard to get to. See, this is where real Christianity hits the road. So you can praise and worship all you want and, you know, get your prayer. You can do all of that. But after you come off the mountain, 
And it's time to talk real talk. Exposure issues. You need to learn to expose yourself. It's a gift. It's a gift. We suppose that now the more lights you have together, the more light happens because we all bring darkness because all of us got every last person in here got issues. Line us up and you're a liar, the Bible says. The Bible says if you say you ain't got nothing, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. So stop saying, I'm okay. I, I hear I got telepathy. I can hear multitudes of you saying, I don't have any issues. You're lying. Okay? Everybody in here got a core issue that Jesus needs to get to. Now, when we come in the room together, we don't just bring our darkness, but because Jesus is in us, we bring light. Now, Jesus is light by way of his word being in us, shining light. Okay? So what happens is, is we expose ourselves and our light by virtue. See, what happens is, is believers should come around other believers and know that there's a culture and character of such godliness that you almost want to break down crying. Because you don't feel right experiencing all that you're experiencing because something is a booby trap in your soul that you need to let somebody know about. But on the other hand, believers, other believers need to know how to shut their mouth when somebody confides in them. Let me say that two more times. When somebody confides in you, you need to shut your mouth. Let me say it uh, two, uh, two, a third time. When somebody confides in you, shut your mouth. That don't mean, you know... Pastor Doug, I was talking to, and I think you, you need to probably, you know, I can't do it. I, you know. <laughs> um, and then you begin laying that thing out. And really all you wanted to do is get it off your chest because you can't keep a secret. Now, if that person doesn't repent, we know what the Bible says do. However, there's a sense in which we as believers, we, and, and, we, and we, Epiphany Fellowship, we're having a hard time creating it, a safe place for people to make mistakes Move forward and still be viewed as a godly person. That's, a, that, that's what it means to be a child of the light. Now, when he says darkness, darkness, dark, they just like crabs in a bucket. Darkness is always trying to just get more darkness to one another. So that, that means we're training one another in unrighteousness versus righteousness. So he says, what fellowship does a person that's trying to walk in the light have? Now, some of y'all say, well, I'm, you know, I went to the club last night, and I did minister to somebody, and I was in darkness, but you were by yourself. <laughs> I went to the club last night, and I'm telling you, God was being glorified. Amen. But, 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 but if you are if you are the only one by yourself in that, probably your little light, your little, your little halogen lamp, your little, your little Christmas light, <laughs> you know, say a Christmas light smaller than a mug. You shake them, they go out. You know, your little Christmas light in the midst of that darkness got smothered like a blanket. When the entire agenda is about darkness, it's going to be different for you to even be an influence. So he says, "What fellowship light have with darkness?" I got to move forward. Then he says next, crazy. He says, what accord has Christ with Belial? Now, this is interesting. He takes it further. First, he starts off being nice, trying to make the distinction. He says, righteousness, unrighteousness. He said, y'all getting it? And probably wasn't getting it. He says, light and darkness. Then he said, all right, I just got to make it real clear. Jesus and the devil. What does Jesus have to do with the devil? That's basically what he goes to now. 
He says, what does Christ have to do with Belial? Belial was a word that was one of the nicknames of Satan in, in, in Judaism. And so he's saying, basically, those who have been drafted in God's new community, how can they do life with people that aren't in his new community? So he's basically just beating this horse because many of us, we fail in this reality. Now, we, and, he'll, and he'll talk about further what he calls this and what he wants us to do in relation to this. But, but he says, what does Christ have to do with, with the devil or with demons? Which accord here means having a state of interest that's based on demons or based on the Lord. Then he goes further and he says, or oh, what portion a believer with, share with an unbeliever? Notice this language. Partnership, fellowship, share, accord. You see these words of connectivity? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? It's interesting. For us, we need to understand that this facility, these lots, the, 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 the instruments, the podium, the, the stage, the clock, the sound, the, the kitchen, the bathrooms, the offices is not the church. It is the lights. They are not the church. The, the, the gathered community of the assembled is the church. And, it's, it's, and, so, and, so, and so we must, we, we really must understand that. That's why you hear us say, I'm going to the building. We don't say, I'm going to the church. Because we want to train ourselves that this is just a shell. That's why I usually say, the building, not the church. When we're here, the church is here. When we're gone, there is no church here. It's just the building. I hope you understand that. And, and so be, 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 it, it's very important. So when he says, what does the temple of God, in other words, what does a temple do? It's a point for worship. Worship is your ID card that you belong to somebody, that you belong to Jesus. Worship is our ID card. Worship is not just what we do when we sing songs. Worship is our identity based on John 4. The worshipers of God must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. So in light of that reality, the temple of God is not the building that we are in, but the people who are filled and, 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 and cleansed by the Spirit of God. So, 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 so we are the temple of the living God. It's interesting that he says that. So if we're the temple of the living God, not dead idols. Then he says, I will make my dwelling upon them. God's dwelling and his presence is among this community. Then he says, and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and separate from them, says the Lord. Now, some people use that verse, separate from them and all of that. They try and go out from among them. They say, well, we shouldn't see unbelievers at all. And all we should do is just parachute in with orange T-shirts on and white hats. And, and I, oh, Lord, help me and backpacks on and tracks and walk through a neighborhood and go door to door. And that, is, that is not like, that is a, listen, Lord have mercy, help me. Listen, that is not mission. Knock on the door. You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Okay, you just don't want to. Go to hell then. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Go to the next door. And I've heard Christians say that. And you think that's the extent of what you're supposed to do in mission. And we'll talk about that when we get to culturally relevant ministry. But this is not talking about not engaging people and being among people like Christ was in engaging lost people. It's just that when you're among unbelievers, you don't do life with them. You want to engage them. You want to be nice and 
all that type of stuff. But you're not, you're not asking them the deep questions of your soul so that you can grow spiritually through a relationship with them. That is a spiritual impossibility because you're mismatched. Okay? But, so don't walk away from here and say, oh, I can't talk to you no more on the phone. Pastor said today that I cannot be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So I'm deleting you from my phone. I'm taking you off my Facebook. Don't swear to me. Get off. That's not what I'm saying. That's another mission field. That's not what I'm saying. Because some of y'all, y'all love the word so much, y'all are just do. Y'all are, ah! y'all are just diving head deep. So I got to, you know, come back. Come back. In Jesus' name, come back. I feel you going out. But there's a distinctiveness that the believer must have. Our community must be more. And in a, in a city like this, the church must be distinct. It's not. It's not. And we have to do something about that. And it's not through having big outreaches in the neighborhood. It's not. See, the main way that the church grew in the New Testament is when believers did life together, they did it in a way that others saw it. Unbelievers came around that and were like, what's that? Y'all, what y'all, grilling? What y'all doing? They said, come on in, man. I mean, we just, you know, whatever. We just chopping it up. Come on in. You know, and the believers, all right, what's your name? That's what's up. And God would add through their numbers without a big outreach. We'll talk about that when we get the culture out of a ministry. That's, that's very important. The main way to show our distinctiveness is to deal with one another. When one of us messes up, deal with one another. And unbelievers see that. And guess what they'll do? See, if that was me, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Y'all something special. You know what I'm saying? Because I would have. Or what about us admitting a mistake? See, you know what, man? I think I, I, I assume some things about you. I apologize. Dang, ain't nobody ever apologized to me before, especially one of y'all. It's bad to be distinct as you have to be distinct from the world these days and from the church. But our goal is to be distinct based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in landing this plane, I got some things I want us to meditate on from a framework perspective and a practical perspective. When we talk about community at Epiphany Fellowship, Epiphany Fellowship will seek to build a healthy environment by which believers may do life with other believers with Christ at the center. Epiphany Fellowship will seek to be a ministry that commits itself to the one another's of Scripture. The desire is that all members of Epiphany will sense that they are entering an organism not an organization. Epiphany Fellowship will seek to live out the gospel together, together, in the world. Wow. Through various clusters organized by leaders and organically fleshed out by the redeemed congregants. The best community is usually that which is sparked by believers without, and I'm not a control freak. Like if somebody, why y'all meet together? Y'all need to be in the authority. Why y'all meet? Why y'all meet over there? Why y'all go there? I'm not one of those dudes. I think we, we encourage it. And we'll deal with the problems of that. That's why you have elders. Gouda, we love this. Gouda says, we believe that we are the church. That is, 
We are a community of God's people called and set apart for witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. As the Father has sent Christ, so Christ sends us. Christ has defined us as his witness where we are. That's important. Key thoughts. First, the church or our community is not something additional or optional. This is not an option for anybody. It is at the very heart of God's purposes. Jesus came to create a people, say a people, who would model what it means to live under his rule. It would be glorious, a glorious outpost of the kingdom, an embassy of heaven. This is where the world can see what it means to really be human. You're not really human until you're a Christian. Because we're the new humanity. There are two races, y'all. All these ethnicities in here, there's only two races. Redeemed and unredeemed. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that on the way home. Not only that, but this. This is not another ball for me to juggle. But that which defines who I am and gives Christ-like shape to my life. This is key. So you're not, you're not trying to like, how can I make room for it? No, you can't help but make room for it. This is not just for the college student while they're in college. See, college students, they need that because they're away from home. Every believer needs that. Becoming a Christian, by becoming a Christian, I belong to God and I belong to my brothers and sisters. Did you hear that? He's mine and I'm his. I hear you. But you ours too. That's crazy. We belong to one another. It is not that I belong to God and then make a decision to join a local church. No. My being in Christ means being with others who are in him. So if you're going to really be in him, you got to practice being with others. Key application. Don't become a pain to your existing congregation. Amen. Amen. Now, I didn't say this. Don't think I said it. This is my man, Tim. This them too. But I agree with him now. Don't become a pain. Some of us, the glass is always half empty. All the time. And it's a pain in Jesus' name. That's my MC coming out. All right. Telling them everything they are doing wrong. That's a pain. But this is what you need to do. Walk away from this and do this. Become a blessing by offering hospitality, showing practical care. That makes sense. Nobody ain't called me. I've been gone for a while. Ain't nobody. Well, you do the same for somebody else too. We're sorry. We apologize. We missed it. We missed it. Will you forgive us? Nah, I'm done with y'all. Hey, well, you're going to be bouncing all over the place. Because you're going to run into this, every church we're going to make a mistake. Showing practical care, dropping in on people. Create around a group of people, a group of Christians who will share, who will share their lives and encourage one another in the faith. Last, think about whether you could establish a context in which people, in which people in your church can hang out together and invite unbelieving friends. Something like a cafe, open home, a cookout, first Friday fundamentals, or UFC. 
Yeah. Fighting. Yeah. We're going to gather around Jesus with fighting on the, you know, we bring some unbeliever friends. When we have fight nights and stuff, you know what I'm saying? But keep it sanctified, but bring them all through. And let them see that Christians are not, you know, because most of us can only do life with the cool Christians. Ugly Christians should get life done with them too. Now, I know y'all don't believe that they are ugly people, but you know when you don't think somebody's cute. In your mind, whatever you think somebody is, you think because they are nerdy looking that you can't, I can't do, I can't be seen with them. I can't be seen with her. They're not like my, like we're not asking y'all to date. Like we're not asking y'all to do this, but we need to do, you, you need to, you shouldn't have favoritism because of popularity and coolness. See, because coolness is only skin deep just as beauty is. But Jesus, he gets to the soul. So if you can hang with, 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 with Jojo with the thick glasses that look like he can look in outer space, his pants up to his throat, got on Michael Jackson socks and penny loafers with nickels in them, and a stopwatch around his neck for his, for his watch, and a beat-up hat. If he loved, if, if that joker ministered to your soul, you better not care. You, I wouldn't care. Because some of the cool people, they too cool to tell you to do life with you. They too cute. They do their hair too long. And they at the nail salon too long. You know what I'm saying? They, they can't do life because they, they somewhere taking care of themselves. You need some people, they take care of themselves, washing everything, but you, you know what I'm saying? But you need to be around some people that are not so preoccupied with themselves that they are willing to allow their lives to be, I'm just using hyperbole to say, dude, don't, don't, don't discriminate. Discrimination is more than white and black. It is preferences too. Something I ain't feeling. Something in the, you know how, how we do, something in the atmosphere. And so I, I really want us to really... I want us to really, but, but these are some things you need to know. We will fail one another. Say amen real loud. Amen. That's what you need to understand. If, if you are going to be a part of a local church, you're going to have to go in knowing we are going to fail you. If you come in all bright-eyed and idealistic, you're going to get hurt real bad. Okay? However, we must give one another room to do so without becoming desensitized. What do I mean by that? Getting used to being hurt to the point where you don't expect holiness anymore. Because see that, you don't want to get to the point where I, well, I don't really expect anything out of the church anymore. Because I've been so hurt by it. I mean, y'all, but, but, but listen, we don't want to become desensitized to it because we're still required to be holy. Holiness, holiness is not subsidized by our messed upness. God still demands that we are holy. We must, without compromise, fight to see Jesus formed in one another. When somebody asks you a hard question, even if you don't like the way they said it, we must fight for it. We must fight to say, my goal, my goal for being in a relationship with you is that when we walk away from one another, that G you look more like Jesus when we walk away from one another. That's, that's Christianity at its core. You should look to see others benefit from being around you. You can listen to all the hollering and all the podcasts you want, read all the books you want, and run from, run from gospel workshop to gospel, whatever you do, run from concert to concert. But at the end of the doggone day, you're going to you're gonna have to be formed into Jesus' image. Romans 8.29.
And it's got to be real Christianity, not punk Christianity. No one's lifestyle exempts them from doing life with a tight formation of solid Christians in their local church. A tight, so everybody in here is not going to do life with each other. That's unrealistic. This church is going to grow, and you're going to see people you don't know. Don't assume because they're new they're not in community with somebody. However, we do need to ask one another, are they? Now, because this is important, and this is where, the way we're going to be, because we actually expect Christianity out of one another. We're not expecting for us this to be a trashy, licentious, raggedy community. We're expecting to grow deeper in Jesus as we grow deeper with one another. That's the expectation. And so if you want to hide and, and go to, down the fire exit when the, when the bell rings after prayer, then do that if you want to, but you're not going to grow. And this is going to be, it's going to be a beautiful picture as we see God incarnate a church in, in a city that's trying to live this out as best as possible and as powerfully as possible, and we're expecting the gospel to do it. We're expecting God to do major works with this community as we plant other communities across the country, in this city, in this region, that, that there's going to be a noticeable difference in Philly because God brought us past this place. And, 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 and listen, we can't fall asleep without us giving every ounce of our lives of pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, so you need to gear up, people of God. You need to gear up and not punk out and say, yo, I'm going to make myself available. I know my class schedule is thick. I know my work schedule is thick. But what do I do? How do I do it? And if we haven't got an opening, we're trying to figure it out together. But let's fight for it and not forget about it and lose hope in the fact that the way we become like Jesus is with one another, not without one another. Because we want our lives to be evenly yoked. Evenly yoked. And no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, it's, it's important for you. Even if you're one of our saints is above 40 and you're like, man, ain't many of us here. Who do I do life with? Help us. There can be mutual learning and for the small group of y'all that's here, y'all need to get together too. Talk to each other. Engage one another. Love on one another. And then even when you get around the younger ones, don't always feel like you have to give an instruction. Learn and listen. Develop. Chop it up. Engage and enjoy. Because sometimes, sometimes life is done through a closed mouth. It got real quiet. And so I'm praying that by God's grace, that this doesn't just become an acronym of our church, but it becomes actually practical in the way we do life together. Father, we honor you for your word. We honor you for your truth. We honor you that you're not letting us get away with doing life without you. It's impossible to do life with you without doing life with your people. And so, God, will you teach us to trust you and in turn trust one another? Maybe someone is here and you're not a part of the church community. You don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. Well, the first thing is, is to repent of sin and trust in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. That God drafts you positionally in this community, but then he practically practically allows you to do life and community with us. So, Father, bless our time as we prepare our hearts and minds for communion. In Jesus' name.
Amen. May one of men come.